The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan debt. I'm so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is Tyler Cook, joined by John Sestina and Cole Hammock. Gentlemen, good to see you. Good to see you, Tyler. Likewise. Yeah, it's good to be here. Good How's to be family? seen. How's the family? Yeah, doing well. Doing All well. Right, it's uh, officially have a 13-year-old in the house, so... Oh, started Lord. seventh grade last week and just yeah it's Uh-oh, going your quick. life is gonna really gonna change yeah. <laughs> yeah she's boy crazy too so i've got my hands full oh of it's... course so she's a 13 year old you're right mm-hmm. right <laughs> and of course our two and a half year old he keeps us busy on the other side so yeah, yeah. yeah we're, we're just uh full court press trying to keep up with them but uh yeah it's good end of summer coming up but uh soccer season starting up and everything I love else it. so yeah are you gonna play it's a good time yeah no yeah no. <laughs> Well, smarter than year. that. Smarter than that. I'd, I'd be out there for about five minutes. But you, you used to play goal, right? Yeah, yeah. Played uh, about halfway through through high school, and then you know my supraventricular tachycardia finally got the better of me. So. Oh, whatever that is, that doesn't sound good. It's not fun. Oh no. <laughs> so periodic rapid heartbeat, which not good when you're uh, when you're trying to run. I see. I did all the easy sports like football. Hockey, easy, yeah, you know those kind of things. That's martial why, arts, kickboxing. That's yeah. why you're all battered yeah. and bruised. Martial now, arts, paying for it now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Joints. Oh, boy, am I yeah, <laughs> my my joints are all buttery. I didn't do anything hard. You wouldn't have buttery <laughs> joints if you'd been what I've been through and right. his dad's been through. Even your that's dad, you know, he doesn't move so well. That's <laughs> it. Yeah, you, you're both paying for it. I, and I've seen the videos of what you did, and I'm thinking, why? Why, why are we kicking trees? What's, what? Yeah, it's <laughs> not a very good. Idea. Be good for you. <laughs> Anyways, back to it, gentlemen. So it's actually right in line with our theme today, which is anything and everything. Yes. So uh, we'll start with current events, of course. There's obviously a lot going on still in the world. It's, it's just nonstop. We'll give you a few updates on that front and then really get into just the variety of topics that we cover with people on a regular basis. And we did this a while ago. I kind of called it the mailbag and things like that. But I was actually uh, talking to somebody this week, Cole, you and I were, mm-hmm. and yep. we asked him, hey, what do you want to hear more about on the radio show and, and on podcast? And they came up with a, a laundry list of things. Yeah. So we're going to go through that and talk through it and, and uh, just have an open discussion about anything and everything. So starting with current events, uh, we interest rates, right? Top of mind, mm-hmm. inflation, top of mind. The Fed this week released oh, some of their minutes. Event? It's, 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 a, it's a daily <laughs> thing, yeah. tick by tick on the interest rates, right? But, uh, yeah, so the, the Fed is – they don't have their next official meeting until September, but they have these meeting minutes and kind of right. you know, just updated dialogue or, or – uh, uh, just information about where they're where they're thinking, and the most recent piece came out this week, Cole. So, what did that tell us? Essentially, they're, they're still targeting to be aggressive on inflation by continuing to increase those interest rates. Uh, no plan to stop doing that yet, since their ultimate goal is to meet their mandate of about two two and a half percent inflation. So, we have some room to go there, but uh, barring any changes, it seems like the plans to increase rates again by about half a percent. Now, how much sense does that make to you, to I was going to ask you that, John. Like, do you think this is going to work for for the purpose they're intending it to, right? To, right, to calm right, inflation. Right. Well, it's it's not basically what they the power they have is to take away money from people. 
Control the money sure. supply. Right? Mm-hmm. Control the money. Yep. So those poor folks out there who are trying to finance their car or buy a new house or whatever it is they're trying to do, the pressure is going to be on them. And so they won't be able to afford it. So they'll put off the buying. I mean, we were hearing on the radio already how people are skipping buying new clothes for their kids. I mean, even in the places like Arlington, their their kids are wearing uh, one-year-old clothes, which is which pretty that, unusual. That never happened in Arlington. No. Yeah, right. And that sort of thing is going on. So what happens is this raise the interest rate, people can't afford to buy it. And so what you're doing is you're, through that method, you're making everyone poorer. And so I think it's a faulty, I think it's a faulty approach. You need a growth approach. You got to put something in the economy to allow the people to grow uh, their income and their and their situation. And the issue that I take with it too is the way they're looking at this is kind of reactive, right? It's they're going to keep sure. raising rates until they see inflation, yeah. you know, right. calm. Which, subside. yeah, it's it's kind of backwards, right? It's, yeah. it's not the proactive approach, growth oriented. It's reactive. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah, time will tell on this one, but it certainly slowed down housing. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. I said this about a month ago on the show. There was a house uh, that I drive by every morning. For sale sign is still in the yard. This is like five, six weeks later. So, you know, you talk about different things with housing, whether it's vehicle purchases and so forth. So we'll see what happens, but they're they're going to uh, continue to discuss this. And, uh, you know, jury's still out on how high of a interest rate hike we get, but it sounds like there's going to be another one, certainly at least one this year. Well, it can go at least 13, 15%. <laughs> Good I old laugh, days, but you lived through that. Good so old days. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was what was unemployment uh, that rate when they started bumping Golly, up? I don't even remember. I think it was over ten percent. So there's, yep. it yep. could be some pain before things get better. Oh yeah, rates keep going up. Well, you mentioned clothing and things like that, and that kind of ties into the other story this week, which which was Target's earnings. Target oh, as some like to call it. or what? <laughs> yeah, down ninety percent profit. Shocked profit yeah. down ninety percent. Now, granted, a couple <clears throat> weeks ago they did come out and say that it was going to be bad because <clears throat> they bought too much stuff. Right? Yeah. They went a little ag- too aggressive with COVID and bought too much inventory, so they had to slash prices to get rid of it, and that's now hit the bottom line. Uh, I, I, got, I did like the CEO's take on it though because it's kind of like ripping the bandaid off. Yeah. You know, they could have just uh, tried to offset this with some other cost saving things, but he said, let's you know, let's just get through it, right? Let's just rip the yeah. bandaid off, get through it. And then that'll be in a better position for the longer-term growth of the company. So, but you, I mean, again, nobody's immune to what's happening right now. So you've got interest rates going up, mm-hmm. you've got retailers having issues. There are some companies though that are still showing solid earnings, all right. And that's been the case the last couple of weeks. And certainly, the market's like that since July, right? It's pretty ugly yeah. through June. July was a little better. August so far has been pretty decent. Uh, so we'll see where that actually ends up heading in the long run. But the other thing, Cole, this week tied interest rates and, and payments and things like that is student loans. So end of the month, right? Yeah, end yeah. of the month is when currently people are going to have to start <laughs> repaying, right? So the yeah. forbearance oh. ends on August You're 31st. You're to me ill, aren't you? <laughs> it's going to be okay, John. <laughs> you know, tell, tell us more, please. Whatever happened to accountability? Whatever happened to that? If I take out a loan to buy a motorcycle, I have to pay the ding-dong loan, don't I? You do. So if I take out a loan to go to school just because I pick a bad degree, I still have to pay the loan. Yeah. You can't it's not fair to ask the plumber and the uh real estate guy and everyone else to pay my loan because, you know, I just don't want to pay it. It's too much burden. Right. And that's the pressure on our people that is I think crippling what has made this country great, which was Americans have always been looked at as doers, achievers. We're going to get it done. We'll figure out a way. And that attitude seems to be disappearing. Cole. 
Well, listen, <laughs> as a millennial, I'm doing my best. But uh, I do think it's part of a bigger issue, though, and we've talked about this on the show, uh, just the, the sheer cost of college is very different compared to the, the increases in wages that, that we've seen historically by something like tenfold, a pretty dramatic increase. So I don't know that where we are economically with inflation that possible discussing forgiveness of student loans will be the, the right decision, but something definitely needs to be done. Yeah, the only way to get rid of the loans is for the universities to pay them. I see, I'm all for that. Because they're the ones who charge these outrageous rates, and mm-hmm. these people are graduating with uh, with uh, unusable <laughs> skills. Yeah. So it's like they're made them, they made them a bad loan. They should be liable. Yeah, because I think University of Chicago was the first uh, college to hit $80,000 a year. And that's just unreal. Wow. Why would you pay that for anything? Well, that's the other part of the story, is, right? What What is it actually worth these days? Yeah, college that's exactly degree, right. right? I see a piece of paper like that is worth about twenty eight <laughs> cents. I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. That ain't might be on the high side, but yeah, and a salary on average of about fifty thousand dollars a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And there's a clear disconnect too with what new grads are expecting to earn versus what employers oh, yeah. are paying too. I mean, yep. it's just a it's an issue that compounds on itself, and it's just. I think until you see some reform in the type of education and the types of mm-hmm. degrees and requirements that employers are seeking, you're not going to see real change into the cost of college and four-year yep. degrees. You know, we need more two-year degrees, associates, yes, degree with apprenticeships, things definitely. like that. So more to come on this. and we get back, we're going to talk more about America's $7 trillion retirement crisis that's only getting worse. So more on that in a minute. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, John Sestina, and Cole Hammock. As I mentioned, gentlemen, America's $7 trillion retirement crisis is only getting worse. And so we've talked about this for 11 years now. Mm-hmm. on the show. And the sad thing about it is nothing's really changed. It, you know, the stories about people don't have $500 set aside for an emergency car repair or zero cash reserve for anything else, right? Right. Uh, not to mention the fact of not saving enough for retirement. So yeah. looking back at the last couple of years, you know, COVID didn't help that, obviously, with a lot of different things going on. Um, and from that standpoint, too, what's happened year to date in the in the stock market, it's uh, $3.4 trillion has been erased from 401ks and IRAs. Uh, and that was just the first half of this year, so through June. Now, again, July, it's come back a little bit, thankfully. Yep. But one of the issues here is that about half of private sector workers don't have an employer-sponsored retirement plan to save for retirement. So it falls on their own. And as we've seen, many folks lack the discipline to save it, yeah. save, their, save for anything, well, for that matter. Discipline, I think, is just part of it. I think a lot of people lack the education. They don't know mm-hmm. what questions to ask, what to do, what to look for. That's probably the biggest issue, or at least one of the the major factors here, Uh, because even if they do have the 401k, they don't know what's enough. They don't know how to save, how to invest, what to do. That's a big problem in America. I want to pick up on when you said enough. So, John, that's been a major concept you focused on many years of having enough. What's enough? I mean, most people are out there wanting more, and actually when you hear all the ads of all the people who want to do your financial planning and stuff, they're talking about more. We're going to make you more on your money and more for your retirement and more more turtles and whatever else they're talking about. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, They're going to give it to you. But the truth is you should be building for what is enough. 
And that's a key to the whole financial planning issue because that causes you to think through the whole situation. Where are you now? What do you have to do? What is enough? How do you come to the figure? What is enough? So it takes your word discipline applies for sure, uh, Cole, but uh, that's a biggie. Absolutely. If they don't get enough, we're going to have this struggle later on. And what's also not enough is is Social Security. So people that don't have retirement plans and things like that and aren't saving, they're, they're kind of relying on Social Security to what? fill that void. <laughs> well, I'm counting on that there, Tyler. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, as we know, it's not going to be enough. So anyway, <laughs> just going back in time, and you can shed some more light on this one, John, but you know, until the Great Depression, Americans typically worked until they died or couldn't anymore. That's right. And, and that's what retirement is a, a false theme because you're exactly right. People didn't retire. It was uh, Franklin Roosevelt, I think who set this up and he caused the situation where people said, okay, I hit 65 or whatever the age was then. Right. And you re, you're going to retire. Well, they never, Americans never thought about retiring. They worked till they dropped. Okay. Or w when they could no longer work, then they were dependent upon family. Imagine that they dealt with their family. Yeah. Oh, golly. Cool. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> That's the new mindset right there. Yeah. Well, see, and then, Along the way, from the 30s and then, you know, till now, you had, of course, defined benefit pension plans, which, mm -hmm. as we saw, you know, that's in the last 20 years, those have just gone away completely. 08 was, I think, the biggest issue with a lot of those people losing their pensions, things like yeah. that, With when, when we had that great recession. Uh, and so the 401ks have been in, in there as a way to save, but the problem there is you've, you've got to elect to save as, as an employee, exactly. right? You have to make your own contributions. And so uh, I think... Going back, that history lesson is really important, too, because there has been a shift in the mindset mm -hmm. uh, from what, what work really means, how long it should be for, and so forth. And until you save on your own, that's that's really the message. You've, you've got to take control of it. It's still you know, Nobody else can really pull you out of that. So it, with everything that's happened right now, too, inflation, things like that, yep. people's wallets are tight. And they're probably telling themselves, I, I don't even have any more you know, to save after I pay for rent and kids stuff and everything else. Okay, so what do you do about that? That's exactly where I was going to go next. Thank you for saying that. Well, so, I thought I'd help you out. Yeah, that was, that so, was a really good lead-in. So what is, yeah, what is the solution? So first of all, awareness, I think, is half the battle. Sitting down and, as you talk about many times, looking at where's your money actually going from a living expense standpoint. And that's step one. Once mm -hmm. you know and have awareness of where your money's going, then you can talk about what do you change with your – with your spending, but it really requires a change in your daily habits and your mindset. Now, wait a minute. Let me help clarify that. What's usually going to be the result of that investigation of your spending habits? You're spending more than you thought. That's right. <laughs> a lot You're of surprise. Spending more than you thought. And a lot of people run into that and they say, well, gosh, well, I can't cut back anywhere. I don't have any money. That's so you know go. what I started saying to that now was what? what happened in COVID when everything shut down? Everybody has the ability to spend less. Yeah. You do. And yeah, we're but get they to... had the government giving them all that well, money. <laughs> that, yeah, it's another side of the too. But you have the ability to, to turn the spigot down a little bit, right? Yeah. Now, and again, it's, it's still going to be tight. You have not a, a lot of positive cash flow, maybe, maybe even a good scenario from, a, from an income standpoint versus what you're spending. But we all had the ability to dial it back a little bit. Yeah. So I think from, the as you said, what do you do? It's step one is just looking at where it's at. Step two would then be kind of getting granular with it and saying, all right, where can I actually cut back? And even if it's a nominal amount, 20, 50 bucks a month, something just really even small to get started, automate the process. Yep. Automate your savings. How many times do we talk about that, Cole? That's uh, close to all the time as possible. Just make things simple. Yeah, big fan of simplifying it. So mm -hmm. if you can automate it 
it might take a few months where you're like, yeah. oh, I wish I had that money in my account, but then you get used to it. Yeah, and then it kind of snowballs from there. I've had clients liken that to almost like a GPS. So if you know you're going to get somewhere in three hours, <laughs> you're going to try to get there before three hours. Yeah. So if good. your goal is to save maybe 50 bucks a month to start, well, maybe we can make it 55 Maybe we can make it 60 to try to, to snowball that, accumulate that. And if you really, truly don't have enough to save, then what do you do? You're going to have to get another job. Yeah, make more money, right? You're going to have to get a gig or whatever is going on the, out there. A the gig economy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. And or get another job. I think what's happened there, too, is I was talking to somebody over the weekend uh, who worked in the airline industry and still does. But a lot of people, when COVID hit, took the early retirement offer. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They may be closer to the retirement age, collecting pensions. And there's a lot of uh, kind of buyer's remorse or regret. Oh, yeah. yeah. We talked about buyer's remorse that. last week. but. With their re- basically retiring too soon. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to one gentleman, and, he, and a friend of his is now an Uber driver. Went from being a mechanic in an airline with 35 years and now is in your know, rideshare economy just because he did it too soon. And he, yeah. first of all, he's bored. And even at this, here's the thing, too if you try to get rehired back into that field that you were in, a lot of these employers don't care about the 35 years. Yeah, that's starting right. all over. That, that's, yeah, that's a problem. So, uh, a lot of moving parts to this, but again, we know Americans are not saving enough. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to the show, save. Just do what you can. Pay yourself yep. first. That's the concept. Absolutely. Go back to the total concept, which is it's up to you. It's your money. It's up to you to do what you need to do with your money. No one cares more about your circumstance than you do. So all these excuses, as you said, are lame. You know, when we've all gone through hard times. I mean, Bobby and I went through some terribly hard times. And so what did we do? We had no money, so we turned off the electricity. That was something we did. Believe it or not, I did that, Tyler. I believe it. Okay. And several other things like that. Uh, we would uh, we'd do what we had to do when we had no money or we could get some uh, work or whatever we could do to be better. So you may have to become that. People are still on their high stools. Yeah. Cole, you got to stop these people from standing up there, yuckety yuckety. You know, I'm, I'm doing my level best, but I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know that credit cards have really helped that issue oh, either. Oh, no, no, no. Because I imagine your situation where you turned off um, the, the electricity, was that pre-credit card? Because yes. now that's, that seems to be the, a crutch. People right. lean on those, and, and you just make your situation worse. That's a real good point. There were no credit cards. In fact, I tried to warn the Medical Association one day when I did a speech some 100,000 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I told them, do not turn over your billing to a third party, which was credit cards and or insurance companies and or. And you see how they all listened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now when you go to the doctor, as Bobby and I are, are enduring with her uh, new cancer, uh, what uh, what you find is every hospital and every medical practice is like a machine shop. There's That personal yep. piece is gone. It is. And we remember the personal piece. That was the beauty. Yep. All great points. When we get back, we're going to dive into our frequently asked questions from listeners. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. Be sure to visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. A lot of great content there. And uh, top right section is the Take Action button. You can complete an online questionnaire and schedule a time to meet with one of our certified financial planners to review our services and see if we may be a good fit to help you manage to be wealthy. Again, managingtobewealthy.com. All right. Frequently asked questions, Cole. 
Let's do it. There's a lot of them. And I was really just, as I was building this list, it just always amazes me the comprehensive list of things that we deal with. And this is just in the like, you know, last couple of days of talking for two two or three different people as far as some of these topics. And then also, you know, we'll randomly get emails and questions Mm -hmm. and things like that on different topics. So build out a list here. Everything from inflation to uh, to making home purchases to uh, private jet ownership. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. A couple of years <laughs> yep. planning. Yep. Mm-hmm. To uh, trust funding. I mean, they're, they're just on and on. So we'll dive into these. See how many we get to today. It'll be it'll be fun. Uh, let's start with inflation. So the question we got from a listener, they were listening to the show. We've been talking about inflation, of course, quite a bit this year. And the question really is, what's your inflation? So we know what inflation is eight or nine percent on the broader economy, but individually, what's your inflation? Oh, that's a great point. So, please share. Cole, you want to start? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I know Stephen; he's brought this one up several times. So I can't take credit for it, but I, he's uh, basically the idea is you you look at what you're spending. So that's what we we've started with too. We we track our spending. We have an idea of what that looks like, and we just compare that year to year. So your spending is is your spending. You compare that to your spending. You don't compare that to what's going on with the broader economy. So if you're spending sixty thousand dollars three years in a row, what's your inflation? Zero percent. Yeah. So the idea is your inflation is really what you make of it compared to your spending. So uh, if you're only buying Costco chicken uh, for for dinner, the rotisserie chicken. Why would you buy anything else, by the way? It's five dollars Co- forever. Big for a Costco three fan pound over bird. Here. That's incredible. I didn't wear it today, gentlemen, but I have a Kirkland signature shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Not even kidding. Actually, Rep- representing. Actually, this I did get this shirt at Costco. It doesn't say Kirkland, but I did. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're good at what they do. Every time I go, my wife does not coming home with something we don't need, but you need it. You don't it's know you need it, but you need yeah. it. That's yeah, it. that's why Bobby won't let me go shopping. <laughs> it's bad, John. It's real bad. They're good at what they do, though. You know, but that's true. Every time Bobby goes to the grocery store and she comes back and she hears the uh, talk on the television and they say, oh, inflation is nine or six or whatever they say. Mm-hmm. And she goes ballistic. She says, I was just at the grocery store. This was 15 percent higher. This you know, whatever the subject was. Right. And that's true. Yeah. You have to look at your own uh, your own consequence. But to encourage you, there was also a health report today. So finally, I've been proved right again. You're making me. There's a lot of silence. You're making I'm, me I'm, nervous. I'm waiting here. <laughs> they did a they did a study on what was the most uh, desirable health food to be eating. Did you see this? Ice cream, candy, chocolate. It was ice cream with chocolate oh. syrup and nuts. No, where are you? What are you right. reading? No, it was not. Yes, it was. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm going to fact check you while we're doing this. And when I was young and thin, I was able to eat a. I literally ate a, a quart of ice cream every night. What flavor ice cream? Does it matter? Uh, well, probably if you get some of those fruity ones, it'll ruin yeah. you. But yeah, uh-huh. uh, I usually get butter pecan. Well, okay. And then put some chocolate syrup on it. And then you add some more pecans because, you know, it doesn't Naturally. ever have enough pecans yeah. on it, so, so to speak. So, but. I'm going to need to see this report. you yeah. got to send that over. Send me the link. It was on the news. I don't have a link. Well, no. John, well there's, a, there's a link somewhere. Yeah. If you keep doing that, John, you might live till 90, though. So. Oh, Lord, I better not. But th- back then, I, when I ate that, that literally every day, every day, I was thin. Yeah, I was like you, Cole. It's incredible. Believe it or not, you eat more ice cream. Got to do that again. Yeah, but Bobby won't let me. But but well, <laughs> but back to your point, it's it's really you you can control some of the inflation that you're impacted yeah. by, not all yeah. of it, right? Somebody's going to raise your rent or things like that. You you can't control that part, right? Now, I suppose you could move, but that's kind of a drastic way to control it. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain way within you know your your. Uh, 
personal cash flow that you can actually control your personal rate of return. Or, or, sorry, not, sorry rate you. of return. If you have inflation. to move, you should move. Yeah. If you need to control your inflation and you have to move to control it, you move. See, that's the hardcore that the Americans have left. They want it to be easy and, you know, there's got to be an easier way or a systematic way or somebody will bail me out. Maybe the government will pay off my loans. That's what, what you no, know, if you can't afford the rent that you have, you got to move. Bad news, I know. That's John. Fair point. No, that's that's <laughs> it's a realistic, uh, realist perspective on that yeah. for sure. Uh, another one, you're going to spend more early on in retirement than you actually think. <laughs> that's Have you seen that, Cole? Yeah, yeah. I even saw John was nodding there too. Um, so I, I'm going to steal another quote here. This one's from Tony. Uh, that that we've retired dozens of times. John, you've retired hundreds of times. Our clients have only retired once. So we, we've seen a thing or two uh, over the years, and I think pretty consistently those first few years, uh, three to five years, we'll call it of retirement, you just have more time on your hands. You're around the house a lot more. Things are going to change. You're going to spend a lot more. Uh, so planning for that early is so important because I've seen calculators over the years where they suggest you'll spend something like 80% of your pre-retirement earnings in retirement. Uh, Nobody, yeah, right? No, no one does that. But, but Cole, it's not because you're home and you're bored. What, what is That's it, not why you spend more money. You, you just do it because? You just do it because you got to repair the roof that you were going to repair all these years, and now you <laughs> must. You have to replace the car, do the driveway, or do whatever else with your house. That everybody saves up and they're going to do this all when they retire. Do all these fix-ups before you retire. That's the truth, though. But yeah. they do it after they retire. Bad, bad. Yes. I yes, have a lot of bad news tonight. I'm sorry, Tyler. No, it's just you're, it's, you got to stay disciplined. I mean, it's, yeah. we've lost some of that, like to yeah. your point of what you said earlier. So yeah. uh, this ties into what we talked about with spending and so forth and what you just said, spending more in the early years of retirement. Uh, but one of the questions we got is what's the best way to track or how to, I know your favorite word budget, uh, for things that are important. So what are your thoughts on budgets, John? You still use that word? Uh, no, I'm, this is the question. <laughs> this is the question. <laughs> well, budget, the... budgets don't work. Why is that? And that's because you sit down you draw up a budget and you say, I'm going to spend 50 bucks a month on whatever, say insurance. And then your bill comes and it's $250 and you've only saved 50 when you build a work uh, uh, a forecast for what you need, it can't be a budget. has to be a cash flow worksheet. You have down there that next month you're going to need $250 for the insurance. And you're going to have ups and downs or whatever, but that's how you overcome. That's how you overcome the cash flow problem. Yeah. I think to a certain degree you can budget on the macro level, so for larger goals. Are you using big words with Yeah, me? I'm, talk, I'm talking <laughs> economics. Uh, so for the, the those big goals or we shouldn't spend more than X each year, but exactly to your point, John, on the micro level, when we're talking those individual bills, you can't really put those into uh, amounts or um, a, a budget because things change so much. So, yeah. yeah it's well, it's kind of like when your beautiful young daughter starts asking you for more money for more dresses. Sorry, started, John. <laughs> How yeah. did I know that? Yeah, just yeah, the budget. We're yeah. working on building out cash flows and goal-based planning. Right? We're, there's actually some pretty cool apps for that now for kids. Yeah, which, you tell yeah. her. You tell her. Okay, honey, anything you want. Yeah, honey, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Within this budget, right? Yeah. Uh, there are so many. Let's go to another another good one. Uh, we've talked about this too. Just especially this year with what's been going on in the market, and that would be 
how some of the highest market days, stock market performance days, follow some of the lowest days, right? So the market yeah. crashes on a Monday, and then it's up huge on a you know Tuesday or Wednesday. Any theory as to why that's the case? There's no direct theory, but it is true that we've seen this, that the market tends to go up more times than down. and Certainly so, over the long run. So, for example, in this time, I'm investing on a regular basis. I'm putting money in the market now. But you're retired. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Never stop investing. That's the case. When we get back, we'll continue this conversation. And the great question was around private jet ownership. Is private jet ownership for you? That's cool. Pretty good one. It's still cool. Yep. <laughs> You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook, joined by John, Sestina, and Cole Hammock. Continuing with the frequently asked questions from listeners and just the variety of topics that we actually get into and fee-only planning, comprehensive fee-only financial planning. I mentioned jet ownership. So at first pass, you might say, oh, that's unattainable or that's so expensive, right? It's, you know, I can't, can't ever think that would be a, a, an option. But if you ever watch any of the sporting events on the weekend and so forth, I mean, this commercial is all of, you know, NetJets is one everybody thinks about. Sure. Wheels Up is another one you see. I watch a lot of golf on the weekend, right? So it's all the golfers, you know, in what they're marketing on their, not only their polos, but the... Uh, Commercials in between, right? Yeah. So, what do you what do you think? Cole? Private jet ownership. What are some factors you gotta think through? On Come this on, one? Cole. We know you're going to do this. Tell us. Yeah. Here in about 85 years, I'll be all set for my own private jet. But uh, obviously, the, the the cost involved that that's the first thing people think of. But we'll take that a step further and go insuring the private jet. Yeah. That's going to be a, a little bit different than your auto insurance, homeowner, and everything else. So yeah, let's break it down because there's different ways of ownership, right? So the insurance aspect is more relevant on on whole ownership, ownership sure. so if you're buying an entire plane but you can buy fractional shares a, a part of a plane we'll do share they call fractional ownership and even companies like wheels up you can do jet cards right you put some money down it's kind of like a retainer once you use it up it's gone and and then uh, you can either reload the card right or you're done what if you're in the air <laughs> i'm sure they'll, they'll they'll figure out a way to make sure before you land that you've reloaded right uh but with COVID, when COVID hit you know a lot of People that had the means to do this, they stopped flying first class, things like that, and shifted into this private jet world, and the costs have just skyrocketed, just like everything else. We talk about inflation. This is more like 20 30 40% inflation on the hourly rates. So, Cole, you know what an hourly rate is, by the way, the, for, for private, private jet? Yeah. No, no, I'm not in the market. Just, just, let's just take a guess. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, hour, okay, yeah, ask me again. One hour. Our, hourly rate yep. for a private jet. Yep. Oh, God. Uh, let's go Let's go 250 250 an hour. I have no idea. Two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, where's where's the other zeros? Nah, going? nah. I'm, I'm going low. I'm going to price this right. This. So yep. Well, if, if you go over, I win though. So yeah. let's let's see what you got. I mean, I mean that, that, if oh. you have a steward on a plane, it's two hundred fifty dollars oh. for the steward. Right? No, I'm, I'm going solo. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at like five grand an hour. I was close. Five thousand an hour. Oh, that's for a small plane. Yeah, depends on the size of the cabin and so forth. Yeah, and, and then of course the distances and things are uh, something to factor in there. But you know. Looking at these things, right? Just how do you help evaluate this? I'm actually helping somebody evaluate all these things, and it's you got to look at flight patterns. You got to look at where you're going to stay, how long you're staying. Uh, there's there's certain you know peak days of the year. All those factors come into play. So, anyways, that's just kind of a fun one, right? That's that's uh, not for everybody, of course, but 
private jet ownership, you know, I, I have toyed with the idea of getting a group together and just, you know, splitting that. Oh, no. You well, know. The MTBW <laughs> group? Not going anywhere we... far. You know, maybe going down to the Bourbon Trail or something like, you know, yeah, 45 minutes. No, no. <laughs> I think we could do it for, uh, you know, under under 1,000. We'll see. Just, just get enough people involved. Oh, Sorry. Uh, I'll build the plane yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Well, I know, I know you've talked, John, too, about, you know, you've, you've at one point looked at ownership and, and private I jet did. ownership and looking at that. So. A couple of times. Many, many years ago, I almost bought a, a beautiful airplane. It was someone you would know if I mentioned his name owned it, and he was selling it, and the banker told me about it. And so I went for a test flight in this thing. It was beautiful. It was impeccably cared for, all leather inside, and, and he didn't smoke in it and everything else. And so he took me on a trip down to the Greenbrier where we had lunch. Very cool. This is the life, man. Oh, now yeah. you're talking about a private, private whatever. And came back, and so I was all excited. I could afford the payment to buy the plane, but then I had to figure out, well, let's see, the engines were within a thousand miles of needing to be pulled out, dropped, rebuilt, and put back in, and on and on it goes, and the cost was well beyond my tin cup. So more than 215 hours, what you said. <laughs> more than your stew, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we, we, we learned you something today, Cole. This is good. Over there. So. Apparently I'm thinking like a toy jet. <laughs> Whole biplane. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, though, I have doing some more research on these things and looking at it. The, the fractional ownership or the jet card thing is it's, it's way more attractive than the whole ownership aspect. That's neat because you don't have to worry about your own crew. I mean, it's all the pilots. I mean, all that stuff. If you're in a whole ownership scenario, you need a, a team of people just to manage that. It's a oh, business. Yeah. It becomes a business, is what it is. But if you have these fractional ownerships or jet card ideas, they're, they're a lot more uh, user friendly in terms of just the time spent on it, right? Yep. And things like that. So, anyway, that was that was a fun one. Private jet ownership. So. Uh, let's go on to something completely different. Another another question we got is children and money and investing. And the question is, should I save in a custodial brokerage account or a 529? Let's see, Cole. Who's the one here that has a child right now? <laughs> um, uh, Tyler. Tyler. So that's your Tyler. question. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll answer it. Well, there's, there's pros and cons to both, of course. And it's the classic, it depends, right? So the uh, the custodial account gives you more flexibility. So if you open up a brokerage account, you're the custodian for your child until they reach the age of majority. You're in charge until the age of majority, so which in some states is 21. 18 or 21. That's yeah. right. Um, so the, the con to that, obviously, is once the child is of the age of majority, legally the, the account has to be transferred into their name. Your name is removed as the parent. And they can say, see ya, going to the islands yep. or whatever they want to do. Thanks it's their Dad. money. But there's no handcuffs like there would be, for example, with a 529 account, which has to be used for higher education. And now you can use it for private school as well. But there's it's open-ended, right? So the money could be used for anything. So it could be for your child's first down payment on a home or a car mm -hmm. or whatever. Whatever they want it to be, there's no restrictions on the account uh, as far as what it can be used for. Whereas the 529, specific to higher education, there's some benefits there, though, on the other side, Cole. What are the benefits of the 529? Uh, gross tax-free, and as long as it's used for those qualified education expenses you brought up, distributions are tax-free. So you're not getting that in a custodial account. And on the front end, you get a tax deduction in some states, sure. right? A state tax mm -hmm. deduction. You don't get that with the custodial account. Right. So you got to weigh this. And I think what I end up seeing most of the time is it's kind of a hybrid approach. If, if somebody's not dead set on putting everything in for college and they mm -hmm. want to have some flexibility— you kind of split your contributions between the two types of accounts, and there's nothing wrong with that. And realistically, you have uh, flexibility with the 529 plans, too. So if you take a distribution for a non-qualified expense, you, you do pay a penalty, you pay taxes, but you still get that money out. 
Yeah, we actually ran an analysis on that recently with somebody who funded a 529 account. This is probably 15 years ago. And they just did a lump. They had the ability to do it. And they did a lump sum amount into the account to save for mm-hmm. their college education for their kid, you know, 15, 20 years down the road. And it actually ended up being overfunded. They had too much money in the 529 account. So because they've already paid for college and had money yeah. left over, right? Right. So there's a few options you can you can look at with that. But if you wanted to get the money out, we did the math. Even if they paid the 10% penalty on the growth, they were still ahead. It's pretty cool. If, compared to if they had saved in the custodial account, like in a taxable environment yeah. where they were paying tax every year. So it's a good question. And it's the classic, it depends, right? <laughs> All right, John, favorite one, vacation Uh-oh. home. Ooh. Uh-oh. Somebody's asked. This is the question, right? You want to buy mine? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's, that's my answer. answer every time. <laughs> so I know somebody will sell you one. Uh, but, yeah, you know, vacation homes, very popular amongst retirees. Yep. What I typically see is, too, it's pretty early decision in retirement of, of maybe when you get out of the cold weather. And you think of New York, certainly Ohio, and heading south or west. And the question comes up, should, should you buy or rent? So let's say it's your first time experiencing this world of, of home ownership or secondary residence, rather, considered a vacation home, should you buy or rent? Well, you should definitely rent. Go down there and see what it's like. Can you stand it? You like the environment with the people and hang out at the restaurants and so forth. So that would influence your decision. Here's the here's the counter I get to that is, well, I can buy the house and then rent it out to somebody. It'll pay for itself. Ugh. Yeah, imagine the headaches with that. Yeah. What are just, just quickly? I know we're running out of time here, but yeah. what are well, some headaches? You're an out-of-state landlord. Yep. So unless you're aligned with a property manager, you're going to be the one getting the call at two o'clock in the morning yep. because the toilets backed up or whatever nightmare scenario you can think of happened. Or maybe a storm went through, you know, like in uh, yeah. Kentucky or in the Florida and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. You're the go-to guy. Yeah. So, so uh-huh. a lot of stress. When you shift into retirement, you usually don't want to deal with. Yeah, there's right. a lot of liability exposures that come with it and all sorts of different things. So, yeah. well, that was anything and everything. We covered quite a bit and bounced around from topic to topic, but that's what we do every day is fee-only financial planners. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.